what I would go through is go through some of those pros and cons of where, where it's at, how it's working, and look at your situation, run some analysis and say, how, how could that work well for you? And just look at some other comparisons that are out there of what you could be changing it to and, and really to determine how much better somewhere else might be. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into All Things Retirement. I'm Ben George, who's Anthony Alpha. Today, we're talking about variable annuities. Where do they fit in your retirement plan? It seems like they're not always well thought of when you uh, talk to somebody that works in the financial industry. So we want to get Anthony's thoughts on that today and, and just kind of where variable annuities fit, helping us un- understand them a little bit better, why they're maybe uh, thought of as like maybe the stinky cheese of the financial world, you know, food that you don't really like too much, but it's there and some people do take advantage of it and you kind of wonder why, but uh, maybe we can help make a little bit more sense of that on today's podcast. So Anthony, welcome in. Good to talk to you again. It'd be probably tuna from a can for me. <laughs> that's uh, that's something I've just never been able to stomach, uh, the smell or whatever it is, childhood thing. Yeah. Yeah, the mix it up a little bit of mayonnaise. That's not your thing. That's not my thing. No. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, doing well, Ben. Uh, thanks for asking. So, yeah. just uh, in the holiday spirit and uh, just spending a little bit of time with the family and, uh, you know, still working just a little bit lighter schedule right now. Most of uh, everything at this point that we do from a planning standpoint, we, we pretty much done and just have a little bit of. Uh, things that we want to prepare to do for, for next year. And, and so uh, it's a good time of the year. Yeah, so our final podcast of 2020, believe it or not. Oh, so right. we'll be turning the page officially to 2021. I'm sure I think you, like myself and many others, is fine with that to go ahead and t- turn that page <laughs> and the calendar and, uh, and go to the new year, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully it, I want to say it can't get much worse, but, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see how that uh, Goes, but I'm certainly optimistic and and looking forward to uh, what comes for 2021 for sure. Me as well. And if you want to, you know, work on some tax planning or any any end of year planning, or look ahead and maybe start fresh in 2021 with the idea of hey, I want to really talk about my financial plan and, and start planning for retirement. You can uh, contact Anthony and his team at Cardinal Wealth Group. You can find them online cardinalwg.com or over the phone 609-605-2808. Schedule a meeting button right there on the front of the website. It's very easy to do, and it's a great time. It's a good, good time to start fresh, uh, or as I mentioned, start reviewing things at the end of the year. There's always some planning to be done, but today I want to focus on variable annuities with you a little bit. And I mentioned, um, you know, stinky cheese, but let's say, you know, the tuna in a can, okay? <laughs> you know, we all had that food. Everybody has that idea. I mean, there's something you just cannot think about eating or just no matter what, you just cannot stomach it. If there's a product in the financial world that's like this, it might be the variable annuity. It gets hated on by a lot of different people. Really, anyone that kind of works in this industry doesn't always think very highly of it. So we want to figure out why that is, uh, because there are some people out there you know, that actually do take advantage of the variable annuity. Like, hey, there are some people, myself included, from time to time, Anthony, I'm going to eat that tuna out of a can. I'm going to put it on <laughs> a couple of slices of bread, and I'm going to enjoy it for lunch. But I want to help understand why that actually is. So starting off with just kind of helping me understand why the variable annuity kind of gets a bad rap from a lot of people in the retirement planning industry. Yeah, I think that 
there's just times and period that there's been, we'll call it some predatory acts by advisors to really sell things to people who do not necessarily need them. So I would kind of say it's been pretty common with the uh, variable annuity over the last decade or so. And it, it's, you know, for, for some people, it'd be like going to the pharmacy for your prescription before really going to the doctors to figure out, you know, what's wrong to begin with. And so I think a lot of people have been sold these things that maybe not weren't the right remedy for what they were trying to accomplish. And so it wouldn't be the first type of product that, you know, there were certainly products before variable annuities that have, have you know, were sold in this fashion. And, and this is probably the, the one that's uh, the most common one today. So you find a lot of these uh, with clients that you work with, you find they have variable annuities quite a bit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's been something that's really uh, been a popular product that's been sold over the last decade or, or, or longer. And, you know, I think you see a lot of companies who have, you know, variable annuities, you know, reward their advisors for selling them. Um, it's almost an incentive to sell them. And I'm not saying that they're all bad or, or that they don't, that there's not a place for it. That, that's not what I'm saying. But I do certainly see a lot of times where people maybe didn't necessarily need it. Um, or maybe there was a cheaper way to get them whatever it is, you know, the, the income that they're looking for, if that's why they're using it. And maybe just, you know, it, sometimes it's just advisors selling them but, you know, maybe they don't really need it at this time. Okay. Do you ever, I mean, I'm thinking about variable annuities, and, and I know this can happen with some products, but do you ever see variable annuities with a client's portfolio that maybe they didn't even realize that they actually own them? And, and maybe this is because of, you know, somebody sold it to them or whatnot, but does that ever happen? It certainly has happened, but I think the more common thing that I come, come across is that they just don't really fully understand what they have and how it actually works and like that they're actually not even going to use them as they were intended, you know, to be used. And that's really when you run into the problem. And a lot of times people are buying or have bought them that are just one, don't understand it, but number two, are never going to use it that way. And that's where it's really kind of become a waste in terms of your dollars being wasted on something that you know costs a lot, and generally speaking, variable annuities generally cost uh, more so than another product to to compare it to. Are those fees one of the bigger problems with variable annuities? It can be if you're not going to actually use it for what it's intended to be used for. Um, then that that's definitely one of them uh, for sure. That would be one of the top you know, reasons where you might want to uh, not use it. Uh, when you have an, a better alternative potentially out there. When you say um, using variable annuities for what they're meant for, what do you, what do you mean by that? Kind of break that down for me. Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the main reasons why people use a variable annuity is, is for it's, uh, they put an income rider on it and the income rider will, you know, give you some type of guaranteed income for a certain period of time, usually maybe your, your lifetime or you and your spouse's lifetime. And if, if somebody bought that and they're, and they're paying three to 4% for it, but they're never going to actually use the income for life factor, then you're kind of paying for something that you're never going to use. You could have easily just, you know, invested it for uh, one third or, or less of the cost in, in a regular investment and 
get would have gotten the same benefits from it. Or maybe you bought the very annuity for tax deferred growth, but you're already in an IRA account where you already get tax deferred growth. And so you can't get double tax deferred growth. So you might be just investing in something that's three or four times the amount of cost when you're not really getting the benefits out of it. Okay. That's a good breakdown. Makes sense. It didn't get too far in the weeds for me. So I kind of was able to follow that pretty well. It's, it's, it's a little hard just to do it, you know, over this, uh, podcast it's it's a little easier when you maybe have a statement or yeah uh something that you can maybe draw on and and explain it a little bit better so it's um just a little bit i think from a visual standpoint a little bit easier to go over okay uh let's talk about maybe helping somebody understand exactly what they have in their portfolio um you know how can somebody tell if they have a different then there's very different types of annuities number one but how can somebody tell exactly what they have, maybe what they're paying in fees, and is there any other info they should know about, but often they just kind of overlook or just don't realize? Yeah, so to basically figure out some of these things, I, I would start with your a statement where they, most recent statement, it should say it right on, on the top that it's a, a variable annuity or, or whatever type of account or annuity that it might be. Also, you could go to if you bought it, you probably got some type of booklet with it that was either emailed or or that you signed for, and, and that will have a lot of the information in there. You can ask the advisor that you're working with um, directly, or you can probably just you know call the company directly as well and ask those questions that you're that you're looking um, for specific type of information. Was there a second question that you had to that? Yeah, well? yeah. I mean, just I guess just you know. Maybe fees is another aspect of it. Is that can can that be found in the in the in the statement as well? I would say that not as often. I would say that you're probably going to be better off calling the company or looking at the fee schedule that was provided to you when when you bought it to really find what it what it actually costs. You're, you're probably not going to find that on the on your typical quarterly statement. Okay, so a lot of these. You know, maybe just sit down with a professional that can actually help you look through through your statement, understand a little bit better, and also dig into a little bit more on actually what you own and help explain it to you. As, as Anthony mentioned, it's maybe easier to do visually a lot of times than it is um, over the phone or through a podcast uh, or whatnot. But variable annuities, you know, either way, and as you as you've kind of pointed out, they're not always a bad thing, even though that's maybe the rap they get in a lot of cases these days. But if you do have a variable annuity and you find out, okay. You know, to your point, I you know I'm not really using it how it's intended. It doesn't really make sense for me uh, to use this investment vehicle anymore. Is there any way to get out of the variable annuity, or are you stuck with it? Yeah, there there certainly is, and yeah, you know, I just certainly want to highlight what you just said a second ago. They're not all bad, and that doesn't mean that they all don't have a place, and that they there aren't good things that they do and and problems that they solve. So it's it's uh, like you said getting that maybe tuna in a can type of wrap, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a place for it. But it's just many times you see people that bought into it. So recently we had a client, um, a new client who reached out and said that she was sold uh, these variable annuities back in the, uh, I think it was around the 90s, that it was kind of like a CD. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's far from what a CD is, but it was basically sold to her as like a CD replacement. And so she wanted to, I think you used the word, escape from them. And, and that's something that we, we basically were able to help look into it for her and, and kind of go over 
what are some alternative options for her. So a couple of things that you want to think about before you get rid of that annuity if it's not a good fit for you is certainly talk with somebody who's going to help walk you through what the drawbacks might be for getting rid of it and what are actually some alternatives that are going to actually make it noticeably better, right? So if it's not going to be any better and you're going to lose money by changing, then I don't know if it's worth, you know, getting out of it. So you can certainly get out of these things if you want to, but a lot of times you might have some type of surrender period where during that period, if you get rid of it, you're going to be paying to uh, get rid of it. So that's one thing to consider. Uh, The second thing that I would be thinking about is that you might have bought it for a certain type of benefit, uh, like lifetime income, and just know that you'll obviously be losing that benefit. But for some people, if you paid into it this for such a long period of time, that it might not be worth throwing away at this point. And so you got to really see how much that benefit's been built up. And it just might make sense to utilize it as it was intended to, to really avoid losing all that money that it really built up to be. So what I would go through is go through some of those pros and cons of where where it's at, how it's working, and look at your situation, run some analysis on say, how, how could that work well for you? And just look at some other comparisons that are out there of what you could be changing it to and, and really to determine how much better somewhere else might be. And you know, it doesn't always have to come down to the math. Uh, this person was just like pretty angry about the situation of uh, what she felt like she was kind of sold into. And I certainly empathize with that. And so in, in some cases, maybe had less to do with math and more to do with uh, emotions of feeling like she was sold rather than um, advised at that time. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder too, you know, just uh, before you do anything with, uh, you know, financially with your planning decisions to to think about it on both sides. Because as you mentioned, you, you might want to get out of it, but you might already be invested enough to where it makes sense just to keep it. So, you know, use someone like Anthony, who's a certified financial planner to dis- determine those things, the best course, course of action for you, what's going to best fit you to meet your goals and your needs. Over the long term, um, you might be in a better position than you think, and you might not need to take any action, or you might need to, and it'll help you figure that out and, and determine what's next. But always rely on a professional to help you make those decisions. And you can find Anthony and his team at cardinalwg.com. A link to contact him and schedule a meeting right there on the front of the website. All right, time for a couple of mailbag questions here on the show before we close it up. And I uh, got a first one from Diane. And again, you can send them all in via the website, cardinalwg.com. Diane says, Because of some past medical issues, I've been told that I won't be able to get long-term care insurance. Do I just need to figure out how to self-insure? That's a good question, and it's certainly a pretty popular one uh, these days. And it really just depends on those medical issues. So certainly setting aside money could be the alternative, or if you own a home, um, being able to use that home in the future for like a reverse mortgage or even looking at other communities that you could move into that have some type of long-term care services on the property that you get. But before, I guess we'll say giving up on it, I I would at least get a second opinion and um, see what those types of medical issues are. Sometimes people are only uh, recommending you to maybe one company or not really shopping it out that well. Another option could be is to look at a life insurance policy that also has a long-term care rider. Now it's maybe not 
totally an apples to apples uh, comparison to a traditional long-term care policy. But um, one of the things to consider is that a long-term care underwriter looks for kind of things that are going to be debilitative or have some type of potential long-term disability as it relates to you know, potential medical issues. Whereas life insurance is going to be more plugged into looking at things that affect your mortality rate. And sometimes those could be similar, those medical issues that you might have, and, but many times it's not. For example, my, my father, who's uh, about 68 years old, plays ice hockey uh, two to three times a week, or at least when COVID's not here, um, is very active, rides um, his bike, you know, many miles, 20 miles at a time. And, um, you know, but he has some knee issues just being so active to this day. So not a mortality issue, but he's had knee injections and had a, a knee replacement. So he's going to be somebody who's not ever going to be able to get long-term care uh, traditionally, but what he would be able to get is one with uh, through a life insurance company that has a long-term care rider on it. And again, there's differences, and you want to go over that with your advisor to make sure you understand those those nuances. But th- that was you know an option for him, even with his medical issues. So you just got to look at it from a case uh, by case to really see it through to make sure that you're exhausting all options before resorting to just you know setting aside money. I think the good news from what I can hear is that it sounds like there are some options. So she, she might be worried that there really aren't any for her, but there actually might be more than she's, that she's aware of. That, that's certainly true a lot of the times for sure. But, you know, again, it really depends on that medical issue. Yeah, for sure. All right. Everett is our next question. He says, is it a bad idea to do a Roth conversion if I have a high income? Well, it, yeah, it's not a very straightforward answer I can give you, but it really just depends. Um, on on the goal here of why you're doing a Roth conversion or, or the purpose. Obviously, there's things that you can to do a Roth conversion. It could be to save on you know potentially taxes, um, you know more or less today, or or protect against uh, higher taxes in the future. And so sometimes you don't necessarily need a a big difference or, or savings necessarily if you're trying to protect against the future. A lot of people are concerned that taxes will rise in the future with this you know, mounting debt and issues with Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Um, so you have to make some assumptions about what taxes might look like in the future. But you can also look at it in from an income standpoint today and see if there are any tax brackets that you're currently in that are maybe favorable that makes sense to fill up. So I'm not sure what you're identifying as a, a high income, but if you're somebody that's maybe in the 20, 24% bracket and hasn't really filled it all up, uh, maybe it does make some sense to do a Roth conversion because of um, maybe you look in the future and you might be in the next bracket up, which is 32%, which is a which is a pretty good jump. And uh, so it might make sense to do some of that Roth conversions today. But you know, typically what you really want to do is work with somebody who can run uh, a few different scenarios of looking at your tax situation today and at maybe some future dates like when you retire or start collecting Social Security or if you have a pension or start taking required minimum distributions and really to kind of give you an idea of what your future tax state might look like to really help you educate you identify times where it might make sense to do Roth conversion. So it's a not a easy 
answer I can give you, you know, in in a minute. But just because you're in a high income bracket doesn't mean that it precludes you from uh, making a Roth conversion uh, a bad idea. And just a reminder, that's something you do with clients too, right? To work through that entire process. Yeah, absolutely. We we do it all the time, and it's I think a, a really important part of advice advising of making sure that you're looking at uh, a picture really holistically because you know anything you do today is one way or another probably triggering or affecting something to do with taxes and and so whether it's even if it's investments financial planning is very uh, interlocked with affecting taxes so you certainly want to look at these things from a really a holistic uh, standpoint because something you do over here with say a Roth conversion could have unintended consequences of affecting something else and you want to be mindful of how much of a conversion makes sense at any one time so uh, it's not it's not a bad idea to do your due diligence each year to look at it, and uh, it's something that we do for all our clients around this time. Or actually, usually we start it by the end of the third quarter uh, to really figure out for year end planning. And so we're kind of all done that process at this point of the year. Gotcha. All right. So some good things to know, Everett, and uh, you'll always want to sit down with a uh, financial planner to to hammer that all out, but. Um, definitely good, some good questions here on the show today. Again, if you have something you want to ask Anthony in the podcast, you can send it in to us. CardinalWG.com is the website. And again, you know, to Everett's point, you can always visit the website and get uh, Anthony's toolkit that uh, will help you with tax planning and retirement and a lot of great resources there. And all you have to do is just click on the button in the front and, and request it and he'll get it out to you and uh, be very helpful, kind of a good starting point. But to really get into those conversations deeper, you'll want to connect with him and, uh, and set up a meeting to do that. So that'll do it for 2020, Anthony. We're putting a wrap on the podcast uh, for this year. It's been a lot of fun, and we want to just thank everyone that's listened along the way. Yeah, likewise, Ben. Thanks a lot for, uh, for hosting, and uh, looking forward to uh, 2021 with you. Absolutely. If you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast, please do so. We'd appreciate that, and we'll look forward to talking to you again on the next episode in 2021. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.